0: Today's sponsor is Sneakus, a DC DMV sports apparel company. Go check out their very cool designs at sneekis.com. Hoodies, t-shirts, hats, and at checkout, enter Pixel and Roll and get 10% off your order. Also, in the process, you help support independent media. So go do it. Thanks a lot. And now, it's the Pixel
1: and Roll Show with Adam Mugatis. That girl is a real crowd please Small world, all her friends know of me Young bull living like an old geese Quick release to cash, watch it fall slow.
0: Is up, doe. Welcome to another edition of the Pixel Roll Show. We discuss a team with the plan, your Washington Wizards. Hello, everyone. This is Adam McGinnis. It is November 23rd, 2016. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Hopefully, your weekend is full of football, whiskey, pie, turkey, more pie, more whiskey, and a lot of football. And Also, some Washington Wizards basketball podcast. Yes, I want to get everyone to show up before the holiday, so as you're traveling, you can listen to me rant away. But actually, not too many rants Uh, on this episode. I had Neil Delali on Dalal? Dela. Sorry, Neil, with me to discuss the last week in Washington Wizards basketball and the season. What's been going on with the team on these games? Neil also covers them along with me for various sites. He also writes about the Terps and the Skins as well. So happy gobble, 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 everyone. And here's my conversation with Neil Dallala. All right, with me today is a man who not only covers the Wizards, I believe the Terps, the Skins. He is... I don't even know how old he is because it will make me feel older than I am, especially after I interviewed uh, Devin Booker last night, who just turned 20 for the Phoenix Suns. Neil Delal. Neil, what is up, bro? How are you, buddy? Pretty good.
2: How about
0: you? You know, I'm I, I'd be doing well if it wasn't so damn cold out. Uh, I'm, I'm headed to Florida for the holidays, so I'm I'm getting excited. This this cold weather is really giving me super pumped to get the hell out of here. Lucky
2: you.
0: Yeah, you you got any turkey day plans? Uh,
2: Go home, local area, see some friends.
0: Nice man, nice. No, before we get into the state, just talk to uh, talk to people about yourself. I know you write all over the place, but uh, just give me a refresher.
2: Yeah, so uh, I write for Hoop District D.C., covering Washington Wizards. I write for Breaking Burgundy, uh, covering the Washington Redskins, and then I write for SB Nation's Testudo Times for the Turks.
0: Nice, dude. So how, how the hell, uh, a lot going on with all those three teams right now for you, huh? <laughs> Not much That's free time. Nine. Yeah,
2: jam-packed. Do you, you, do, were you out at, uh, did you been going to FedEx? No, yeah, I didn't go to FedEx, but I was close by helping out with off coverage.
0: Nice. Then you, and you cover the
2: you cover the Wizards
0: game last night with me. The Phoenix, uh, the Wizards win. We'll we'll get into that. And then you went. to we We're at the Maryland game tonight. How, how are the Terps looking yep. this year? How's my, how's my boy Melo? Is he, he going to bounce back? I I was telling some I was telling some Maryland fans this year that you know last year with all the expectations they had that maybe this year they don't have as many. That maybe the whole season will end up with be a little bit better. Definitely, you know I
2: tell people. This season reminds me a lot like two seasons ago when there wasn't that much expectations, even though you had Deswell, even though you had Jake Wayman, and then the unknown that was Melo Trimble at that time. You know, Melo is a young team. They have three really good freshmen and they might be squeaking by some bad teams right now, but they should improve as the season goes on. How's Melo, how's Melo looking? He's looking pretty good. He's being aggressive, getting to the free throw line. You see, he has that kind of quiet demeanor, but everybody's telling me that he's taking more of a leadership role, which is good to see. He's one of only about, he's obviously the main upperclassman on the team, but there are only three or four main upperclassmen on the team this year, so he definitely has to step up into that leadership role. And today, tonight he dropped 21 on just eight field, field goal attempts, so that's always good to see efficient scoring.
0: Yeah, I, I love watching him play. He had an awesome freshman year. Obviously struggled a little bit last year with his shot. Didn't get the free throw line as much. And it seemed like th- those personalities just never really meshed with that team. But, but anyway, Neil, this is not a Maryland Turp podcast. This is the Washington Wizards. They are currently 4-9 on the season. They beat Phoenix last night, like I mentioned, that we were at. Uh, since I last did a podcast with Rashad, they have lost to Philadelphia 109-102. to They have beat the Knicks. 119 to 112. They lost Saturday night to the Heat. 114 to 111 and beat the Suns last night. 106 to 101. Before we get into some some observations about these four games, what's been your take on the Wizards so far this season? How how would you summarize what you've seen out of this team of uh, you know three weeks in, into the, this new year? Well, it's been a pretty much like a
2: roller coaster ride. You know, you get that tough start to the season. You got the Hawks twice. You got the Raptors, the Rockets, the Celtics, the Cavs, the Bulls. Like that's a pretty brutal start. The Grizzlies loss was kind of bad because of just how decimated injury wise Memphis was. Uh, uh, It gets
0: gets Saul hitting that three. You know, look at that stop. They win that game. It's different.
2: It's ridiculous. He hit like four threes when he's hit like three in his entire career. (laughs) It's crazy.
0: But anyway, the Magic game, I'm sorry, the Magic game you're saying. Keep going.
2: Yeah, the Magic game, that's a bad loss. You beat that team 12 times in a row, and then you can only score 86 points against them. But I want to talk about how the Wizards need to play defense to win games. That was a game we played defense, but it was actually their offense that was lacking for once.
0: That's definitely true. So what's your overall sense of what you see? I mean, you mentioned they did have at one time the, the toughest schedule before this four-game run. They'd had the toughest schedule uh, so far. You know, obviously injuries with Bradley being out and still waiting for Yami Hime to you know to come into fruition here for that big free agency signing in the offseason. But and there's so much turnover we knew there would be a struggle. But did you think they would struggle this bad?
2: Yeah, I definitely didn't see a 4-9 start in their future. I did think they would start a little bit slow while coming off of knee surgeries on both knees. He would have that three-game stretch where he sat. Jan Mahimi hasn't played yet. I definitely thought that they would be slow starting, but I didn't think they would be 4-9 and, and losing to the 76ers of all teams.
0: So aside from the schedule and, you know, just maybe just maybe this not meshing, you know, with Brooks, and he seems like he's really searching. I mean, the big bugaboo has been the been the bench in the second unit. What what have you seen out of those out of those players?
2: For sure, like the bench is. For all we talked about about how, look, they struck out on Kevin Durant, they struck out on Al Horford. Okay, Plan C: fix the bench, make the bench better. This bench is worse than last season, and it's not good. You have Trey Burke, who's getting inconsistent playing time. Marcus Thornton, who I hope we go into more, because he's getting consistent playing time for some reason. you got Tomas Sierenski, who's been one of the little bright spots on the bench. He's getting consistent playing time after he was a little restrained early on in the season. And then you have Andrew Nicholson and Jason Smith, who also see scarce playing time, but when he works his sports to play, that it's not very pretty, and we're hoping Yami yeah, is back soon.
0: Yami yeah, And then it- and then what? What would you? You mentioned Sadarzky as a bright spot. What kind of positive pixels? You know, uh, this is the Pixel Roll Show. I don't know if you knew the name of this, but uh, you know, a lot of negative things I could say about this team, and I, I do. Uh, and people still listen. And uh, th- thanks, thanks to everyone uh, tuning in again and downloading it as they're headed to uh, talk about Donald Trump being a president elect at their holiday functions, because uh, that's going to be awesome too. Uh, positive, positive takes. What, what you got? For this team so far,
2: I'm glad he finally decided to come over. Like, if it wasn't for him, this team would be a mess. He's a six foot seven point guard that can play point guard, shooting guard, or small forward. Brooks has had him mostly play either backup point guard, starting sometimes when Wall was sitting out with the back to back, and then he's also played a lot of small forward, sometimes with the Wall and deal, sometimes not. But has been nice to see. He seems under control, not forcing anything, and he seems like a guy who knows where to take a shot, and he's a pretty efficient scorer.
0: Yeah, I've, I've been impressed. He had a big shot last night against the Suns game. We haven't really seen his athleticism so much in the break or some of these dunks that, that we heard about in the preseason or I've seen on videos on YouTube from his time overseas. But his composure and his, his belonging has been there from day one, and I've been really impressed by that. And just his ability to create, and he definitely is a point guard. It is kind of, in in hindsight, wondering how he wasn't the backup point guard to begin with. And maybe it has something to do with Trey Burke's confidence that Coach Brooks you know, wanted to maybe ease Tomas into the NBA game. uh, You know, at one hand, and also trying to build up Trey Burke's confidence. But it's definitely Tomas has beat him out. I, I like the lineups when Tomas plays with Beal and Wall and, you know, even when they go small with Ubre you know, or Otto at the four. Uh, he, but, yes, other than that, I mean, the rest of this bench, Jason Smith, Nicholson, they've just been bad. It, it, there's nothing really it, and it's in But yet the starters have really struggled, I, I feel like, in crunch time. We've broke it down. There's been in the second quarters, in the fourth quarter, they, it was, I don't know if it's a lack of execution or, or not knowing they want to do Just Wall and and Gortat on the same page, and you know, obviously Beal has been injured there for a week or so. What other issues have you seen on this team, you know, aside from the bench and the defense?
2: Well, even at times, you know, it seems even though we can harp on defense all day, it seems that their defense sometimes affects their offense. Sometimes Brooks says their offense is affecting their defense, but I think it works the other way around too. When they're not engaged on defense that means they're not getting out on fast breaks they're not getting those easy buckets that they need to and you can definitely see that this team's struggle in running offense and running good offense instead of lazy isolation plays when they're not engaged on defense
0: yeah totally i mean I mean, currently they are 23rd in the, in the league in defense efficiency which is actually worse than they were last year, and that's why Randy Whitman was fired because the defense uh, declined from being a top-10 defense. And they are last in the NBA, giving up 11 made threes per game. They are second to last, giving up, teams are shooting 39.4% from the three-point line. I asked Brooks this question. You were at the press conference yesterday. I'm going to hopefully write about it uh, tomorrow again. Just like what was going on, like when he reviews it, because it's one thing to say, like, we have the answers, but I'm like, okay, you you review this, you get paid $7 million a year to to fix out why are you the worst three-point defense in the league, and his answers were, you know, I don't have the quote on me, if I was a better podcaster, I'd probably play it right now, but it, it basically, you were there, and he kind of just said, hey, there's a lot of things going on, bad offense, like you mentioned, you know, guys missing assignments, not rotating, not getting back. But I just feel like it's a combination of a lot of things. I mean, yes, yeah, there's some bad offense here and there, and there's some miscommunication, but it seems like there's a lack of will. Like, a lot of guys are just running free. And then when you say, like, oh, guys are playing small, so now it's harder to, to guard so many guys. But, I mean, Brooks emphasized defense in the training camp. He emphasized defense on media day. And here we are, and this defense is, is one of the – is the worst three-point defense arguably in the league and bottom third overall defense. And I don't really know the answers to that. You know, and I think that me and Rashad talked about it, like, on a podcast recently. It would like, be one thing if you didn't emphasize defense, but now you've, you've kind of brought this criticism on yourself by emphasizing defense, and then the results are so poor. Without a doubt. And like you
2: said, Brandon Whitman was fired because of defense. Essentially people thought that oh he focused too much on adjusting the pace and space that they gave up too much on the defensive end. For the Wizards, twelve games in thirteen games in the season, excuse me. Their three point offense has been their three point defense has been lacking. I think against the Heat I would say it was more of guards trying to help down help Gortat against Whiteside, who was absolutely abusing him on the boards, and then having the lead down man giving up open corner threes against Phoenix yesterday, you know, you had one of the best young shooters in the league, Devin Booker. He hit six three, which is pretty astonishing. Um he was just lights out. There was a stretch where the Suns were seven fourteen from three yesterday. And that and that's a Suns team who ranks I believe lowest in three point uh three point percentage. They do. So it wasn't good. And it needs to be fixed because otherwise they're they give up over 100 points every game, then like
0: John Waller said, they're not going to outscore teams. They have to play defense and then score enough. Yeah, it, it's still, it's hard to be to say, and I don't want to talk about the injuries because it's a broken record at this point. Everyone listening to this doesn't want to hear about the f- effing injuries. But Yamahimi, I don't know how much a difference he makes, but he is a key cog to what Brooks, I think, wants to do and also, it's hard when the bench has been so bad. He's trying to find all these moving parts, and the lack of a rotation. And I know it's early, but just an assemblance of what you got going on when the starters are on the court, and especially when Beal hasn't played, you know, for a week or two, then it sets them back and now it shuffles things around. And way too much Marcus Thornton, it, you know. But let's talk about the, another highlight I want to say before we move on to these games is Otto Porter. I know he went out last night with a strained, a strained hip. It's day to day. He didn't practice today, but 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 he's been he's been amazing. I went to the Boston game. I covered the Celtics game a couple weeks ago, and he was he was phenomenal. Some of the best I've ever seen him play basketball. Best guy on the court. I mean, better than Isaiah Thomas. I mean, it was Otto Porter doing whatever he wanted to do. And even last night, I saw him sky for some rebounds. And you know, he had one of the highest uh, put back percentages in the league. He had some of the highest. You know, offensive rebound. He had one of the highest uh, offensive rebound percentages. He also had one of the highest two-point field goal percentages from a, from a wing player, which is pretty outstanding. What have you seen out of Otto Porter? And uh, how much is it going to cost us to uh, keep him? <laughs>
2: yeah, definitely. I tweeted out. Uh, I think the following game, right after the October 31st deadline for a contract extension, being know the third game of the season against Toronto. Ever since then I said I tweeted this out, Otto Florida looks like a guy who wanted to get that extension. And, you know, we don't know if it was Washington was unwilling to or Otto's uh company and stuff didn't really worry about it too much and wanted to let it play out in the summer when there's probably of course gonna be more money involved. But yeah, he's been amazing so far in this season. You gotta hope that he comes back and is okay. Looks like he was day to day, so you would hope that with a few days off, he can get back and be ready for Orlando on Friday. But like you said, like he's been a great player, just an energy kind of player. Had 21 points against uh, the Knicks in a win on just 14 fewer attempts. And it seems that he doesn't need plays to be run for him. He just has a nose for the ball and will get it and then put it back up for easy shots. But one thing I was worried about, Against the heat on Saturday was with the wall and deal. Yeah, they both put up uh, 34 points each, but when they're putting up, they don't know exactly the top of my head, but I wouldn't say around 35 field in attempts, that kind of gets Porter less engaged into, the, into things. And when he started off one of five in that game, he just kind of quietly slid to the background, and that's what. That's not what they needed against Miami, especially on the defensive
0: end. Yeah, that's, that's always been one of the the bugaboos of his career is where he'll just kind of coast around. He'll do his auto things and get deflections, but he'll look up and he's 1 of 5 and hasn't done much. But there's other times where, hey, you know, he might be having 8 or 10, 12 points, but he has 5 steals and 7 rebounds. And, you know, and even, even some games this year he hasn't shot well. He's really filled up uh, the... The stat sheet, which is the game that happened in Philadelphia, what a disaster! They were not playing without they're playing without Joel Embiid. I did a whole podcast with uh, my friends at Zardcast. So if you want to listen to me go off on a whole rant about this game for thirty minutes, and I, you know, God bless those dudes that listen to me ramble on on another podcast about this game. I don't want to talk about this game very much because I, like I said, I went off on a huge tangent. It was right after the game. But what a disappointing defeat. You know, Beale wasn't playing. Wall was on a minutes restriction. But there is no reason that this team should have lost to Philadelphia uh, with three days off. You know, t- in Philadelphia, you know, they're, they're struggling. And just to come out with the effort and energy that they had in the first half. I mean, at one point, they were down 47 to 23. Uh, you, know, they, you know, some plays don't go their way. And they give up a three-pointer some guy I don't know in the corner. See, I just told you I don't want to go off in this game, but here it just comes right back out. But you don't—you don't spot this team twenty-four points. At, you know the worst team in the NBA at the time, and, and expect to, to make some plays at the end to win. It was—it was very frustrating. Game is, and this also. If you remember the fallout to this, then you know then this is segments on national TV. Te- I mean, I listened to Beaumont Bo Jones' Bo Jones show on ESPN. My dad was telling me he heard it on ESPN radio. They were talking on PTI. It was like, let's go off the Wizards because they lost to the half-plus Sixers without Joel Embiid. So just give me your hot takes on this game before we move on, before I go off on a five-minute rant, which nobody wants to listen to, before they have to uh, pass the cranberry... Sauce from their right-wing uncle that uh, hates everyone.
2: <laughs> <laughs> without, Joe, without Joe Embiid, Jaleel Okafor is on a minute's restriction. And then, of course, they're without the number one overall pick, Ben Simmons, who's dealing with a long-term foot injury. But, yeah, he's just disaster all over. In the first quarter, Washington was coming into the game. A very good first-quarter team getting up fast starts. In the end of the first quarter, down twenty-nine to fifteen. Yep. Yes, Wall only played, I believe, eight minutes in the first half. That's still inexcusable. You can't tell me that guys like Marquis Morris, Otto Porter, and Martin Gortat can't pick up the scoring of a minimum of fifteen points in the first quarter. Yes, you didn't have Bradley Deal. Yes, you were starting an undrafted free, an undrafted free agent rookie in Sheldon McClellan, being have the best game, two of seven, six points. But still, you can't tell me that you can only put a 15 points against a 6 defense that, It's not all that safe, Richard Lillian Silva is not a good defender. Jaleel Okafor is not even that good of a defender during his time at Duke. So, just a slow start with infusible, and then they dug themselves two people holes to come back from. Yeah, what? Oh, shit. Okay.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, Then the Knicks game, they come back to the Knicks the next night, they start off to a really hot start, they were lights out from three-pointers, I think they made 16 threes, and they have been one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league as well, I forgot to mention that when we were discussing the three-pointers, go out to a huge lead, everyone's rolling, and then then, and the bench comes in and almost blows it, and Scott Brooks had to put the starters back in, and they end up winning the game, so it didn't really matter. But just your takeaways from that Knicks game.
2: Yeah, like, that first quarter, if they had lost that game, that would have been a disaster. There would have been tensions spewing in the locker room. It would have not have been pretty. The Knicks put up 47 points in the fourth quarter. 47. So that's almost... That's nearly 200 points in a game, if you were really to expand that out over an entire game. That is just crazy to discuss. You know, they did a good job defensively in the first half. Chris Miller brought up uh, the following game against Miami. It's Brooks and Wall believed in the carryover effect, where they let that poor defense from the Knicks game impact them against Miami. Of course, Brooks and Wall were going to say, no, no, that wasn't the case. But you have to think a little bit. You know, I think one positive out of that Knicks game was you saw Marquise Morris matched up with Kristoff for a a lot with 7-3 power forward. Yeah, he filled up the stat line and 7-6 down with 2 assists, 16 points on 16 field will to make it the wickets as a team. Marquise Morris is a really good defender. He's essentially, I think it's same as a younger version of Vinay. He's that physical post presence that they kind of need. Uh, yeah, overall, that's what was. Nearly the biggest disaster of the year. And that's after saying they just lost to the Sixers. So, kind of a who's who is trying to figure out who these Washington Wizards are.
0: Why? <laughs> it's... Oh, shit. Hold on, dude. Man, it's funny. I didn't realize they gave up 47 points in the fourth quarter. That is, that is just brutal. I, I guess I I guess I guess just blocked it out of my mind because they, they won the game and I just watched it at home and I did not, I'm, I'm a bad podcaster. I did not realize how horrific that was. I should have mentioned that. Now, they go and they play at home to the heat Saturday night. Uh, you were there at the game. You covered it. Your your impressions of of what you saw once again uh, the takeaways from what I uh, read and what I watched was once again poor defense which is a constant refrain we're discussing here uh, Neil but you were in the locker room you were at the game what did you see uh, you know Wall and Beal have an outstanding offensive game and I was at a wedding uh, getting drunk with some friends and uh, dancing away in a, in, a, in a tie in and in a suit and a, a at the Park Hyatt in Foggy Bottom. And, D.C., good times. Uh, I watched it hungover on Sunday. and But I want to know what your t- your takes were
2: uh, you were there. Well, Hassan white is an absolute monster. He had 18 points, 18 rebounds, three blocks. But I feel like he made an even bigger difference than that. Nine offensive rebounds helped the team out. And it's kind of funny because... When Willie Reed got hurt, the backup center, he got hurt. It was like five minutes. It was like, okay, Hassan, You got to go and essentially play the rest of the game. He played 30 minutes in that game, and that really hurt Washington. He just dominated on the boards. I'm still clueless as to how Marcin Gortat is credited with 16 rebounds because it seemed that every 50-50 ball, white side was getting. And it got to the point where Wall was helping down, Dean was helping down, trying to help rebound. And then they were leaving their guy open for corner threes. And Miami, who isn't even that good of a three-point shooting team, uh, shoots 48.1% from beyond the arc, 13-27. He has Josh Richardson. I, I don't think many people who are listening are going to even know who he is. Josh Richardson, the shooting guard, is 4-6 from deep. Then you got Derek Williams, power forward, hitting a couple threes. Drogic, hit, Drogic hits a couple threes. Uh, I've James Johnson from when the Wizards swept the Raptors hit a couple threes. So it was just an overall bad night. Washington tried to make a furious comeback at the end. They we're down nine with about a minute 30 to go. Somehow cut it to three, and it's kind of funny. There was a stretch late in that game where Wall went to the free throw line this both of his free-throw attempts, a rarity for John Wall, who's a 80-plus percent free-throw shooter over his career, and those factored in huge when you consider they only lost by three points. But, of course, after the game, they're going to say, gratefully so, even though we lost by only three points, if we had won that game, it would have been a bad win. We played terrible defense, which was the case. You know, I hope we get into this later, but, Marcus story, bad game. You know, he, I'm just baffled as much as the rest of the media is that covers the team intently about how he still gets consistent playing time. He definitely came, gave up a few threes. And it was just an all-around very forgetful performance. 49 field goal attempts between Wall and Beal combined is not the greatest. They only got to the free throw line a combined 14 times. And they had six turnovers between them. You know, they put up 68 points between them, but, you know, it wasn't the greatest. But, yeah, just not good. Especially against a Heat team that's struggling without an identity on offense.
0: Yeah, that that was the troubling part about this victory is that you had to win this game. Saturday night at home against Miami, who has been struggling this season. And, and, and Brian, Brian France, on Truth About It, wrote this. He... And I'll quote him. Here's what he said. The Heat started Josh Richardson, Derrick Williams, Dion Waiters, and James Johnson was their top man off the bench. If you're going to give up bullshit excuses about health and roster turnover, this is not the game to do it after. And and that that quote, you know, and he went in, it's a great piece. Go on Truth About It. I'll link it in the show notes. And he really goes into, into detail and, you know, he highlights tweets. He highlighted your tweet. Uh, your tweet was, on if the Wizards are on the same page defensively. John Wall, yeah, I think we are. Bradley Beal, we're not on the same page defensively at all. Zach Lowe, Wiz or complete Mets on both ends. Had three of four most disorganized offensive possessions you'll see from NBA team. Still like Sadoransky. Heat getting a 12-21 combined from James Johnson and Derrick Williams could only happen to the Wiz. Whiteside is too much for Gortat. That's what Zach Lowe says. And and, and France goes in and says, you know, he, he goes in and goes to every player. Who at the average and how much they scored and almost every single one, uh, scored way more than their average. Derek Williams averages four a game, had 12. James Johnson averages eight, had 17. Richardson averages 11, scored 15. Deion waiters, God, Deion waiters who I hate from his Cleveland days had 16, averages 12. Dragons had 22 and averages 16. And Whiteside averages 17, had 18. Tyler Johnson was the only one that really went under. And here you are coming after, you know, a struggling week where you lose to this terrible Philly team without their best player. You almost blow it against the Knicks by giving up 47 fucking points, which, oh my God, I can't. I, it blows my mind that I forgot this. That's just, it, it's, it's abysmal. That's abysmal, and they come back, and you're at home Saturday night, November, You're, you're here it is. Let's get, let's get this, you know, let's get the home cooking. Let's get it back to... The thing, and you come down, and, and this is what happens. I mean, it's just a very disappointing loss. And, and the takeaways after was, you know, just about the defense and all that. But your tweet, I, I think Troy is the one who said he asked those questions. He said he liked to stir the pot, he told me last night. But your tweet and what you saw in the locker room, or what was the mood? Because Troy told me the mood in the locker room afterwards was like, he was like, yo, bro, like no one was saying a word. It was like a funeral in there.
2: Definitely. Like, it is just, anybody's just pissed off, ticked off, and as they should be. Like, this team is not 4-9 worthy. They should at least be a 500 team. You know, 500 team might not make the playoffs, but at a bare minimum, you can't tell me that they should be worse than the team they were last year when they were under Randy Whitman, who I believe finished with a fairly winning record, 42-40. and 40. Like, they're gonna have to work their ass off just to get to 500. Let alone have a shot at making the playoffs. It's just—it's just baffling to think about during this last four-game stretch that you know they're all four very grueling games and they finished two and two in it.
0: Sneakers, yes. Commercial break time. S n e k i s dot com. Sneakers. Go to the website. Check out their D M V sports apparel designs. Very cool. They have two brand new dope. Hoodies, DC flag, guy and girl. They'll be great gifts this Christmas time. And also, you get free shipping of an order over $50. Along with 10% off your order when you enter Pixel Roll at checkout. Help support this Wizards Independent Media. Now, back to the show. Well, oh, let's discuss last time because... Once again, it is and I'm writing up my post. It should be up on truthaboutit.net. Look at look at that look at that promotion, that synergy that I have here on my podcast. Kyle will be impressed who doesn't listen, uh will no longer come on my podcast anymore. That's why I have to have friends like mine like Neil that will take the time out of his his, his busy night, uh the the hardest working man here in the D M V, uh sports writer, to, to, to come be my guest. Is it it's it is it's so frustrating in the sense that you look. When you look back, this is my lead that I'm writing. Here we go. Is that look back at last season and they'll you know like he's I think they were 41 to 41. Okay, they, they finished tenth, few games out of the last playoff spot, which is totally disappointing compared to that. They're one John Wall injury away from playing LeBron James and the Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals, and they had a struggle to even try to make it. You know, long season. I have a zillion podcasts. Back there for everyone to listen to that actually don't listen to them ever again. But <laughs> you know, I don't want you to. I, I don't want to listen to them, so you shouldn't listen to them. But we discuss. I discussed these things, these, these issues all last season, where you know they could never get on a winning streak. They never lost a lot, but they never could win a lot. It was. It wasn't very fun. There wasn't that. The only real highlight was Beal hitting the game winner against the Spurs, like what game seven or or something in yeah, the season. I yeah, it, it, and here it is: is that. You know, but then it was like, okay, T Wolves, you lose in double overtime. Oh, John Wall misses two free throws against uh, the Raptors to clinch a game. The Raptors hit a game winner. You had, uh, you, yeah, 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 Joseph hit the shot. You have the Blazers. You need one stop. McCollum hits a hits a bucket. You lose to Portland, and in in, in 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 Portland, you could have won that game. I mean, there there was there were so many ga- Celtics game they blew the, at. You know, one of the games that was close against the Celtics, they could have won and. They lost to the Lakers in the shitty ass Kobe Kobe stands at home, you know who were awful. Oh man, was
2: seventy-five so yeah, 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 percent yeah. Kobe fans in the house.
0: Yeah, it was. It was, it was, it was bad, right? And so you go down the list, and so at the end of the season, you're like, okay, we're three or four out of this thing, and you're like, wow, there's like six, seven, eight games. Charlotte, they end up, they end up going like, scoring four points in the fourth quarter in charlotte when they had a huge lead it is it is you go through these games at the end of the year you're like okay wow you know we can't make them all you know we don't get to play the sixers 10 times and the knicks eight times there's not so many games you can make up or the magic you know like they they had had feasted on the magic over the last couple seasons and last night to me was one of those games where you have the Suns without tyson chandler without warren they, they are not very good. They, they don't want to really be good. They're, they're, they're going young. They probably have too many guards. They're not trying to be – they didn't spend $200 million on the team in the offseason like the Wizards did. And here you have right. – you're at home on a Monday night. They're on a road trip. They're a West Coast team on a road trip. Fifth game of a six-game road trip right before the holidays. Monday night – I know it was cold, there was nobody there, we, me and you argued about how many fans uh, were in the arena, which we which, which can get to after this, but this is a game that you had to have. I mean, Beal and Wall had played well, you know, offensively, and they just had to have this game, and the first half was just, I don't know if it was just the crowd was really bad and nobody was into it, it was so desolate. You know, it's a holiday week. I know. Uh, you know, it's Monday night. Nobody, nobody really cares. Everyone probably went to the Redskins game the night before, which was late. And nobody there was, the, but you could hear conversations across the arena. And and I've been to a lot of bad games in the in the Verizon Center over the years. that cover this team and. Last night, that environment, in the first half was really bad, and it was sloppy play. And the Wizards still was up. Bill had hit some shots, and Wall couldn't really hit some shots, but he'd, he had some assists. And they were playing okay, but but Phoenix doesn't have anyone really. I mean, they have a couple guards that are okay, but they don't they don't have a low low post presence at all. You know, they're playing a bunch of young guys, a couple guys I'd never even heard of, and. And here the Wizards just could never really, they never really put their throat on them, never really did much. And before you know it, the Suns go on a run in the third quarter. They're up 11 points. The Wizards, you know, battled back, and the fourth quarter was a back-and-forth game. And they pull it out by, you know, miraculous J- John Wall and one play. And Bradley Beal going for a career-high 42, obviously he was, you know, instrumental right. in, in the victory. But... Dude, I mean, even, it's weird, like, even though they won, won that game last night, like, I don't really feel good about this team still. And granted, I'd feel disaster. If they would have lost that game and they're 3-10, I mean, I would have just led off of that or went off on a whole rant. So, so granted, I have to give them credit for pulling out the victory and not being one of those games that I'm mentioning where at the end of the season, you're like, how the hell did you lose to the shitty Suns team that won 50, 20 games, uh, at home? How did you do that? And so that isn't right. that. So it's not that disaster, Neil. But what did you see last night? Are, do you uh, echo my sentiments of how that just it was? Yeah, they, they grinded it out. But when Beal and Wall have to do so much, and the team still barely beats a really bad team, I don't know how much I can really get too optimistic for the future. Definitely,
2: definitely. I feel that uh, crowd wise, that was. These really crowds are usually bad last night, wow, like, you could hear a pin drop. You could hear, you heard, I think, in the first half, Royal had a big block on Bledsoe, his college his backup point guard, essentially, at Kentucky. He had a block, and you could hear him scream so crystal clear, like there was no emotion in the stands or anything. But that should not be an excuse for these guys. They're professionals. They're getting paid millions of dollars to go out and do their job. That could be a Especially when the sons are running up and down the court like it's nobody's business. Like, they should be having a good pace to the game. Yeah, and definitely the Suns, you know, they played, like you said, Tyson Chandler's away from the team, uh, mourning the death of his mom. But that really hurt their bench because then you have to put Alex Lynn, you know, former he a Turk out there. He goes into the starting lineup. And then you have this guy, Alan Williams. I don't think many people are going to know who he is. How many is your backup center? Uh, Earl Watson's not going to play him much. So they go really small. They got Jared Dunley and P.J. Tucker as your power forward and your center for a period of time. You know, Gortzai was able to do some good things at that time. But, yeah, this Suns team, they have a lot of really young talent. But for a Washington Wizards team who is trying to contend for a playoff spot, you were expecting a lot more and a lot bigger blowout against a
0: team that's simply rebuilding. Yeah, they, they did win the game. And Let's talk about Bradley Beal. We have to mention Bradley Beal. He was sensational. 42 points, like I said, Kerr high. 14 to 22. Where, where's the funnel? I, I have it with me. He was 14 of 22 for the field, 5 of 10 from three-pointers, 9 11 from the free throw line, four rebounds, no assists. But no, only one turnovers, and 42 points. He was every time he shot, even though even on his misses, even though his miss, he always has like great looking misses because his shot is you know Ray Allen esque But last night there was a couple times he'd shoot it, he'd step back, I was like, bam, that's going in, and i hadn't really had that for him. And so I, I, I've crunched some stats since he's came back from injury. This last three games, he's averaging 31 points a game. Shooting 52% from the field, 44%, 12 of 27 on three-pointers, 20 of 22 from the free-throw line, 91%, uh, three assists a game, four rebounds, and only 1.6 turnovers a game. You know, they're only two and one in those games, but this is the max guy. This is the, you know, I've been on this podcast, Well, Wiz Extra, like I mentioned, I've been on some other ones talking, I've wrote about it, I've talked about it on this podcast, that you know, everyone, you know, Gortat and Beal, I feel like have got a lot of, cri- Gortat and Beal in the bench have gotten the, the the share of the criticism here on the slow start of the season. And Beal gets, you know, with hamstring injury, it isn't a knee, it isn't his broken foot. So, you know, I try to give people some hesitation of, you know, hey, this is let him play. You know, as long as he plays 70 games a year, that's fine. And I don't really give a shit about the contract. I mean, I care about the contract, but that doesn't really matter anymore, no right? Like, it's like contract's done. Like, that's what he makes. It, it is like, is he going to perform on the court? And and what I had said is that he aside from that, that the Atlanta home victory, we really hadn't had a, a game where we would be like, okay, Bradley Beal played Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal played at any level in those last three games. I can say that he has played at you know at a Bradley Beal Arsenal level where you wouldn't really talk about how much he made anymore. Just, just, just mention what you've seen out of him these last three games. He's been lights out.
2: Well, well first off, I think the whole uh, Bradley Beal's not a max player talk is just stupid. Like, the fact of the matter is, he was going to get a max contract one way or another. He could have gotten it from Washington, but if Washington wasn't going to give it to him, he would have gotten it from probably, I'd say, 15 other teams would have been willing to give him that uh, contract, just depending on how the other 14 had their money spent already. But what was your plan going to be if you did a refined Deal? Because you struck out on Durant, you struck out on Horford, what player were you going to go and get that is even an all-star? Like, Deal obviously hasn't made an all-star do, yet. Dude, do, 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 Neil, Neil really Tim, yet.
0: Timothy Mozgov got how much money? Kim Baseball got how much money? Evan Turner got how much money? I, I mean, it's the market exactly. that bears this, right?
2: Exactly. And so that talk is over. It's over and done with. you got to hope Deal stays healthy and that's pretty much it. There's no sense in complaining about it anymore. The thing I find interesting is that somebody asked Brooks after the game, what's been the secret to Beagle's success over these past couple games, drop 34, drop 42, he said he's healthy. You know, obviously that three-game uh, stretch where he sat out, obviously it was against uh, Cleveland, Chicago, Philly. That Philly game obviously would have been nice to have him, but you know, maybe they were being on the, a little bit on the cautionary side. Maybe he could have played that early game, but he said, "Hey, why risk it? Let's get him an extra day. Let's get him an extra night of treatment and make sure he's 100 percent to go forward." And you know, maybe it's been showing. He's played last night. He didn't play quite 40 minutes, but the Heat game, he played over 40 minutes. I asked him after the Heat game how he how he's feeling. He said he feels great, and you know, that's what you need from Neil. You need a guy whose legs are fresh, and legs are feeling good because. For a guy who relies on the jump shot, that's important. And you know, like you said, over the past three games, he's been spectacular. And Washington's going to need that going forward, especially when Wall isn't having the best shooting night. Yeah, also,
0: it's also weird in the sense that maybe this injury, this this mini hiccup injury of being out for a week, actually helped him in the sense that I felt that his struggles in the first few weeks of the seasons were almost mental that he was trying to do too much. He was like, okay, this is why I worked on my game this summer. You're, you're going to see it. So he would try to force his step back, or he'd dribble around for 15 seconds, and I'd be like, where are you going? What are you doing? Or now, last night, I did not see that. I saw him run to the corners. I saw him do step backs. I saw him make quick moves to the hoop, saw his shot was flowing, and he wasn't, he wasn't overthinking these things. So maybe almost in the sense that it was a positive that, he needed maybe a mental break that he came out of the shoots being like, I got to prove that I'm worth $120 million. I got to prove I'm the man. And when a shot wasn't, when he was open and it wasn't hitting, even though they had good looks just because sometimes they don't fall, then it was affecting the rest of his game. And, and maybe this is a a bright spot that he got a little break. And now you've seen this Bradley Beal, this guy that averaged 20 points a game in two straight playoff series, this guy that can be this young superstar, uh, in this league, because if this team is going to be anything, it is going to be, uh, through Bradley Beal, John Wall, and to a lesser extent, uh, Otto Porter.
2: Yeah, most definitely. Uh, this team is going to go as the so-called House of Guards go. You know, Earl Watson called them a dynamic backcourt yesterday, which I thought was a very nice compliment. John uh, Wall especially has been getting a lot of nice uh, compliments from opposing coaches lately. I think Dwayne Casey, when he was here with the Raptors, just went on the entire rant about how good John Wall is. And, you know, you definitely saw Wall getting frustrated last night with a few no-calls from the referees And, you know, that's going to happen because he's not at, for some reason, that superstar status yet where you're going to get that Kobe foul call. You're going to get that LeBron foul call. And I actually wonder if him getting those texts earlier in the year and getting ejected earlier in the year, his case even more because you know he's talk they mm-hmm. said oh man that was a complete angle to me or whatever like that
0: but that's the oh, case. There, there, there's defi- oh no Neil, there's definitely a worry me and rashad talked about some the last podcast that that him getting a reputation you know you know where right. now just the look that he used to give before they would talk to him now they don't even they're not going to talk they're just going to team up and and, and some of the and I blame him for some of those situations, uh, you know the the Houston game and and what was the other one he got ejected to uh, the Boston game where he started shit with Marcus Smart, but
2: yeah yeah. Hey, at least the Marcus Smart one, he got his money growth on that one. Now he, I mean, he just not too Dexter floor. It wasn't a punch or anything, but if you're gonna get mad at the rest,
0: if you're gonna get mad at the rest, I would take it on Kelly Olynyk. I would not take it on Marcus Smart. That's just me.
2: <laughs> but, uh, Houston, that Houston game Where he got ejected Obviously there's still a very slim chance That they come back and either tie Or win that game But that was a complete BS ejection call uh, That referee should feel ashamed of himself Because Well said after the game To J. Michael He didn't say anything And I take him for his word at that Because there have been previous times Where I asked him oh, what did you say to get that T? And he told me if he said something. The fact that he says that he didn't say anything, that is, I, I take his word for it, and that's just completely on the ref for going out of his way to assume things that he shouldn't be. Yeah, I,
0: I, I'm just concerned that he is, you know, fairly unfairly getting some type of uh, rep in the league with, with the raps and that that's not going to help him get the calls. And then also... You know, yeah, maybe it was a little bit... You know, they still... I mean, they're down five the minute left with the ball, and he gets ejected, and then they turn it over after he got ejected. So, yeah, they still do maybe have a chance to win that game, but they're not going to win it at all without him on the court. Now, before we move on to... Uh, I'm gonna, we're going to wrap this up. Keep it quick, because I told you I want not keep you too long, but you talked to Alex Lynn. Let's, get, let's go back to the Maryland Terps. We started this talking about the, the the Terps. I saw you in the locker room talking to Alex Lynn, so... I know we have some Maryland fans that listen in, uh, and some uh, you know D basketball fans that uh, that remember uh, Alex Land. Uh, what, what did Alex have to say to you, man? How did that conversation go?
2: Yeah, it was a great conversation. Uh, he, uh, we never spoke personally when, when he was at Maryland, but you know, good guy, good big man. You know, uh, Earl Watson his coach, said he's still not even scratching the surface, which is true. He's still completely raw, well, but he's a big man, seven two. Has is just straight up jacked uh, muscle wise. He's a guy who is a defender who is going to affect shots. I think it's, re- it's been great for him to learn from Tyson Chandler, you know, for the early part of his career, and that's going to make a difference on him in the future when Chandler is no longer there. When Len, you know, he has a he's another guy from that Otto Porter draft class that's going to see if he's going to get a contract extension, but. Yeah, you know, he talked to me about he doesn't really know many of the guys on the current team. He knows DeMonte Dodd, the lone senior on the team, a little bit. But So he was actually here on uh, Sunday, Sunday afternoon, where Maryland squeaked by Towson. So he was able to catch up with Coach Coach, assistant coach Dustin Clark, uh, the strength and conditioning coach uh, Kyle Tarp, who's done wonders for a lot of the guys at Maryland that goes unnoticed. But he said he was great to see them again, you know. It's more of a, he called it a, more of like a friendly relationship. It's not a coach and student relationship anymore. He said, these guys are my friends now. Those coaches are my friends now, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, he said he still uh, keeps in touch with uh, Des Wells, who's off in Europe playing after a bit of a tough start early on last year, dealing with the hamstring injury. Talks to Jake Wayman a lot. Um he liked the fact where I asked him, what do you think about the Turks move to the Big Ten? He told me, because he was in the ACC games, he said, yeah, playing against Duke, playing against UNC, those are the best games of my career, most fun times I've ever had. You know, it's probably a smart move for Maryland to move to the Big Big Ten, but he said, those are the best games, because at the end of the day, Duke-Maryland, yeah, yeah, Duke-UNC is probably a bigger rivalry nationally, but... You ask anybody in College Park what's the biggest rivalry, and they'll tell you Duke-Maryland was insane. Everybody would get up for it, and maybe that's why Coach K doesn't want to play them anymore. Uh, So he had an interesting take on that. But, yeah, overall, you tell me that he's doing well. He's happy with things well right now, and he's just hoping to improve over the summer more than during the season. But just overall, getting better at his game, he's still – very well. It's going to go a long way. You know, one day he may be an all star, but right now he's still kind of uh, finding his way in the league.
0: Yeah, he had 11 points and 10 rebounds, and he seems like he's getting a little bit better out there. Let's let's, wrap, let's wrap it out here, Neil. So the Wizards—they take Thanksgiving off. They they don't have to play a Thanksgiving game, which they've they've had before, but they play in Orlando on Friday, and I'm actually headed to Orlando. I'm not going to cover the game. I'm going there as a fan, so I can uh, drink beer and yell with my 16 year old nephew. Uh, I actually used to tell the people I might do a podcast afterwards uh, with him. He doesn't know that yet. Just my experience there at the Amway Center, which is a pretty nice arena uh, downtown Orlando. They have a club on on t- on the top floor. I went to uh, last Thanksgiving when I was there, and I saw Orlando beat uh, Boston. But they play Orlando on Friday night they play they come back to d c and play on a back to back. For some reason, alright, so they they play Monday, they have three days off, and then they play Orlando, and then a back-to-back, because the schedule makes no effing sense. And then the Spurs come to town on Saturday night. Monday, they got Boogie Cousins in town, so we'll have the whole Boogie John Wall thing on Monday night. Uh, and then Wednesday, they go to uh, Oklahoma City to take on uh, the Thunder, where there'll be no KD to DC uh, things no more your thoughts on these next – and then oh, by the way, uh, at Oklahoma City and then at San Antonio and then at Brooklyn. Uh, so, And then home for Orlando and Denver uh, and Milwaukee and at Miami and home for Charlotte and Detroit. We don't need to go on all those. But let's just go on those those four, those four, five games. So the next five games they play the Spurs twice. And they're at Orlando yeah. and at Oklahoma City. So that's why Monday night was so crucial, I think, and in, in even that Miami yeah. game and Philly games were crucial because – this five-game stretch, obviously they should beat Sacramento at home, who is Sacramento still, but they should beat Orlando. But who knows? And with the back-to-back and how the minutes are going with Wall and Beal, I don't really know what that situation uh, pertains. Uh, currently, Brooks, I think, is annoyed by those questions, so I don't really ask him. I, I wait for J. Michael someone else to ask them or yourself. But these next <laughs> five games here, you know, Orlando, San Antonio, Sacramento, Oklahoma City, and, and San Antonio, uh, what do you see here? Uh, coming up here in the next week of uh, basketball here for the Washington Wizards.
2: Yeah, so Phoenix, Washington, that actually lost to Phoenix yesterday. I was going to ask Brooks. Uh, a lot of people gave Marcin Gortat a lot of grief for calling, I believe, game three against Toronto a must-win. Uh, I was going to ask Brooks. Brooks previously said, hey, I don't think it's a must-win unless you're down in the series in an elimination game. But I was going to ask him, you have the Spurs and... OKC coming up is Orlando a must-win game now and I would of course I would think that he's going to shrug it off say no, you know it's a long season blah 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 but even now even after the Phoenix win I think Orlando is a must-win because San Antonio twice after that in four games Sacramento should be a win you know they have boogie cousins but they don't have much else around him uh but you have to win Orlando and Sacramento because both those San Antonio games are probably as close as you can get to a definite loss. And even OKC, even without Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook's putting on the show out there. And the Wizards don't. So, play,
0: the Wizards don't play well in Oklahoma City ever, by the way. So
2: definitely, so those are three you know likely losses unless you can pull out some magic to have another November game winner over a Greg Popovich team. Those are. Three more losses so you can't be if you split Orlando and Sacramento you can't be 5 and uh, 13 after that you have to at least be 6 and 12
0: yeah it looks like you're right the next five games it appears that 6 and 12 and maybe 7 or 11 are the best that we can hope for uh you know, maybe being Oklahoma City or San Antonio at home, but you're right. It's 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 bleak like before. You know, the, the, the December schedule gets a little bit better, but some of these teams are playing pretty well. You know, Charlotte's playing well, and uh, Milwaukee and Denver will be tough outs as well. And they don't. And the Wizards haven't played this Miami team uh, with the song Wasai has given a lot of troubles uh, over the last year or so so that's going to be a tough game uh, Neil thank you so much for joining me dude uh, I'm going to cut it short here for, for the people so they can get back to uh, their family and their relatives and hopefully enjoying a Redskins victory over over, over the Cowboys let's get some Redskins talk how, how do you feel about this game we've already got the Terps let's go to the Redskins bro what, what, you, what you got what you got uh, I was listening right. to I was listening before I got it, I was listening to Bill Simmons podcast, and they were talking about like how do the Redskins play a Sunday night game that gets over at like midnight, which you know, right. like, and then have to play a Thursday day game in the NFL. Right. That's, that seems like the quickest turnaround I've seen in a while. Right, like we're not even
2: talking about a Sunday night game and then a Thursday night game. We're talking about a Sunday night game and a Thursday afternoon
0: and game, and they have to I travel, mean- t- and they have to travel too. <laughs>
2: Hey, uh, Dallas is sitting on their lonesome. Uh, I taking a cold one on Sunday night, just putting their feet up and thinking, "Oh, this is going to be great." You know, Dallas has obviously been, I think, the biggest surprise in the NFL this year. You told me that behind a rookie, a rookie third round pick quarterback, Dak Prescott, without Tony Romo, you know, everybody was sounding the alarm in Dallas. Oh, no, Tony Romo. Okay, no chance this year. They put together, they're on a nine game winning streak, and that is crazy to think about but you know washington themselves are no slouch right now they have i believe only one loss because of that iraqi tie of course uh one loss in the past two months so you know they're on a little bit of a hot streak themselves they're feeling good about themselves too you got Kirk cousins playing well you got robert kelly running the football well you got a defense that's been you know not too shabby you know contain aaron Rodgers for the most part we're going to do a big test with Ezekiel Elliott in the defensive line. Uh, I'm actually going to be writing my uh, preview for the game right after this for Bursting Burgundy. And you know, I'm not sure what my prediction is yet, but, you know, for some reason, I'm, I'm a little bit in you know, a uh, look of the draw things, but for some reason, a lot of my predictions have been wrong lately. So maybe I just predict, <laughs> how, we win. I predict how we win and then hope for the best for the. Gold, but it's really like if Washington's going to win this one, it's going to be a major shootout because I just don't see their defensive line stopping Ezekiel Elliott. He's going to be breaking so many records this year. Uh, he's definitely well worth the fourth overall pick in this past NFL draft.
0: Yeah, no, nobody's really bitching about that pick anymore. And I think was it was it 2012 or 13 where. Or, was it thirteen? Where where Griffin? I think it was rookie year where he just de- destroyed Dallas. That was that was an amazing. I remember me and a friend were comatose on too much food and watching that, going like, "Holy shit!" RT three is just yeah, blasting true. these dudes. That that was really fun, and it'll be interesting to see. You know, Cousins and, and Crowder, and you got Jordan Davis, or Jordan Reed, and Vernon Davis, and. It, you know, even, even, even Gerson's making plays and, you know, D Jacks can, can go deep. Their offense, I mean, they can move the ball no matter who it is. And I'm not really sold on Dallas's defense. I think their defense has really benefited from a lot of a weak, weak schedule, but you're right. Prescott, Prescott. Similar to, you know, I guess let's make a Wizards reference. Sadaransky to a lesser standard. We're we're just like this guy. I just keep waiting for him to f up and waiting for him. Where the moment's too much for him, and it's it doesn't seem that way. And you know, with the weapons and that that incredible offensive line that they have, uh, they are forced to behold. And you know, even though I hate Jerry Jones and and everything Dallas represents, uh, I'm I'm ready for a, a good football game, and, and hopefully I'll be three three pieces of pie in uh, when when this one's decided. <laughs> but Neil, tell the people tell the people where where, where they can find you and uh if you got anything to hawk or sell, uh, you know, the, the 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 stage is yours, bro. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter. It's at
2: Neil ninety six N E L A L ninety six. Uh, you can also find my work obviously on Hoop uh, breakingburgundy.com break and, and, uh, Pescudo Times for FB Nation. You can also just see all my crazy Twitter accounts. I'll be tweeting away over the webtoons with this game, et cetera. Um, yeah, it was great having me. Thanks for having me, Adam. It's, it's fun. Let's do it again sometime.
0: Uh, cool, dude. Hey, man. You've, you've been wonderful. And, uh, thanks, thanks for uh, taking the time. I know you're a busy man. You gotta go write up, up some shit. So, uh, uh, everyone, uh, thanks. thank you for listening to uh, this podcast. I wanted to get one out there for uh, your long drives to all the relatives and stuff you want to sneak away to, you know, listen to my wonderful voice because you do miss it. And I will be in Orlando, Florida, uh, poolside at my sister's pool. Uh, I guess it's a little too chilly in Orlando. Uh, it's 70, unlike the 20-degree wind chill that I'm currently uh, sitting here in the nation's capital. But... <laughs> I'm hoping, to do another, I'm hoping to do another podcast About my experience At the Orlando uh, Wizards game But we will continue to do that I will be back with another one uh, Maybe two or three here in the next week And uh, keep following this team I know there's a lot of negative pixels out there And hell, I'm the one that produced a lot of them But uh, go to Truth About It Look at our coverage uh, Go to Neil's Twitter account And uh, as always Go Wizards Peace out
1: And you're looking to the sky Some people would say To accept defeat Well, if this is fate Then we'll find a way to cheat Cause oh, oh, oh oh, We'll say a little breath. That oh, oh, oh oh, If the answer isn't fair You know you can't and fed and calling